This is the first time. Chirp Radio's live storytelling and music series recorded at Martyrs in Chicago's North Center neighborhood. Here's your host, Jen Sodini. Arish, Arish Singh, our next reader, does something about it. He co-produces a show called Chicago Solidarity, stylized with a little hilarity. Check it out. Great pleasure I introduce Arish Singh. Uh, the story I'm going to be telling tonight uh, isn't about Donald Trump, but uh, maybe in a sense it's about the, uh, the Donald Trump in all of us a little bit. I'll, I'll preface it that way. A few years ago, I was having an unpleasant conversation with a neighbor of mine. And uh, that's not too unfamiliar. I'm sure we've all had un- unpleasant conversations with neighbors. But this one stuck out for me because I was having it through the floorboards of my apartment. <laughs> And this neighbor of mine was saying something to the effect of, if you take one more step, if you take one more step, if you take one more step. That's what he was saying to me. That was the effect of it. And I specify that because I couldn't actually hear him. He is speaking through my floorboards. It was more like, if you take one more step, if you take one more step, if you take one more step. Uh, That was how he was communicating to me. Uh, And I could tell through intonation and, uh, let's say, context clues from our previous interactions, uh, the gist of his meaning. I could could figure that out. Basically, if I took one more step uh, on the floor of my own apartment, he was going to do me bodily harm. Now, looking at this situation, there are obviously sensible courses of action you can take, right? You can call the police, you can call your landlord, you can definitely not take another step, right? Uh, you have an array of options. But in fact, in that moment, there was nothing more that I was intent on than stepping over every single inch of my floor, right? I'm gonna back up and uh, give some context for how I arrived at this rather unneighborly situation. I just moved into this great place, uh, this historically restored apartment complex in this uh, small college town I was working in. I'd moved into that apartment looking for a fresh start. Uh, I just felt like my life at that time, in a bunch of different ways, was a mess and the worst parts of myself were getting the better of me. I went into this place trying to make a deal with myself that I need to stop fighting with who I was and figure out how to live with who I was. Are we familiar, basically? This is a man-child who feels suffocated by life and he tries to find himself. It's a pretty basic narrative. It's been driven into the dust by indie films, but we're on board, right? We got it. Just bear with me, we'll get through it. Um, so I'm there, uh, and about a week into living in this apartment, I get up early, around 4.30 in the morning, and I head to the gym, or I'm about to head to the gym, And quite suddenly, there is a loud pounding at my door. I open it up and I find a shirtless man in camouflage pants with way too much gel in his hair, pointing his finger at me and yelling, I don't need you prancing on my floor, man. I'll mess you up. And I'm totally caught off guard by this. Uh, You know, I'll admit I'm kind of thrown, I'm kind of scared. I just shrug and apologize and I close the door. And that's how that ends. 
But of course, for the rest of the day, in my head, it is not ending at all. Uh, and since we're in my head now, I'm going to give this guy a name. Um, I'm going to call him Alan. Um, and apologies to the previous story. Um, but uh, and apologies to all the Alans out there. Uh, my, uh, my worst trait kind of comes out here, and that trait isn't anger. Um, of course, there's all the angry, indignant questions going through my head. Where does this guy get off? I'm on the second floor of a four-story building. I have the same sort of problem with the guy above me. We have all these paper-thin walls, floor, ceilings. I get it. I mean, where do you get off with this? Where do you get off with having hair in your gel if you're getting out from your bed? Did you put it on when you were angry? Like, how does that even work? Who does that? There, there are all these angry thoughts mingling in my head. Um, but uh, what I feel is my worst trait at this moment in my life is uh, this problem I have with obsessive thinking, these thoughts I can't let go. And I keep thinking about this one question, which is, why would anyone try to intimidate someone like this? Now, I don't mean this question morally. I mean it strategically. This guy has moved into a building full of grad students and even college professors, but he's using the kind of behavior you would use as a bully on an elementary school playground. What kind of threat is it to mess me up? You're not going to get away with assaulting me, all right? You're, you're an adult now. I know your name. I definitely know where you live. It's not the rudeness or the fear that he tried to put into me that's bothering me. It is this marriage of orneriness and stupidity that this man embodies for me that is just, just digging into me. This is not how you threaten somebody, all right? This is the fundamental question that's just clawing at my mind. Right. And yeah, it, it keeps going. My obsessive thinking morphs into a full-blown theory, all right? The reason this guy didn't think about how stupid this was, was was because somehow he'd made it into his mid-20s acting like a schoolyard bully, and everyone just let him. They just rolled over. He never actually had to fight anybody, right? No one had called him on his bluff. And this is clearly the point uh, where friends would tell me to just let this go. And uh, I, I know this is, this is what to do. I know it's the right thing. I should let it go. I should be the better person. But I can't. This is just how my mind is working. And the way I feel at this point in my life, I feel like I couldn't be a worse person. So screw it. Let's just go with this. Uh, I got my theory. Let's move on to data. All right? I hit up Facebook. <laughs> I hit up Facebook, I find out just who Alan is. He's from a small town in Iowa, and I happen to have friends in this small town. So I call up one of these friends, discuss my theory with him. Uh, turns out I'm right. Huge dick, but completely harmless. <laughs> and this is, of course, uh, after the friend tells me, you know, you should really let this go, you should really let this go. Uh, I proceed to hang up the phone, and... Uh, I continue on, armed with all this knowledge, on my way to write my dissertation on Alan. Uh, and I come back home one night around 2 a.m. after having graded a whole lot of papers. And within a few minutes of being in my apartment, I hear Alan calling out to me. Hey, college bitch! Stop it, college bitch! Uh, and now here, stop it is again walking on my floor, and uh, I am the college bitch in this scenario. Uh, and, and to unpack the meaning of that, I think what Alan thinks is that I'm a college student, not an instructor here, and he's trying to call me out for being a spoiled college kid. And yes, I'm an instructor, so the insult fails at that level, but where it really fails is that because I've done my research, I know Alan went to college, all right? He picked up a couple of public intoxes along the way, but he went to college and he completed it.
And uh, I, I, uh, I will say at this point, I, I think it, uh, I'm not proud of what I'm doing here, but uh, I think it, it's clear that being the, the smarter person rather than the better person is definitely more interesting. I, can, I think we can all agree on that one. Um, so uh, Alan is, is, uh, is going at it, and he, uh, he, uh, he comes to the moment where, where I started this story off. Uh, he, he, uh, he is uh, yelling at me through the floorboards. Uh, he is telling me, or rather mumbling to me, uh, not to take another step. And now if you were uh, walking at night down an empty street and someone drags a baseball bat across the ground and tells you not to take another step, that's a valid, reasonable, well-constructed threat. All right, I think we can all agree on that. But here I am in my home, behind a deadbolt, walking on my own floor. I feel I have a duty to match this kind of ridiculousness in kind. So I, I let it go for 20 seconds. I let uh, Alan relax. And then I go ahead and take my first step. And then, and then I take another step and, and another. And then I am all over this floor with my feet, right? It, it, if this guy doesn't like me prancing on his floor, maybe he'll enjoy me dancing on this floor, all right? I'm, I, people are fans of Chicago footwork here. That's how I'm going at this. I'm straight BBU on this one, right? All I do is juke. All I do is juke all over this floor. And now what everybody fears, an angry man running up to my door, pounding on it, threatening to assault me, that's not what happens. Instead, I hear the voice of a disgruntled, defeated little child going, no, no, no. I had called Alan's bluff. I was right, my crazy obsessive thinking was dead on. So I was right, and of course I have to go for the victory lap, right? I gotta tell all those friends who are gonna tell me to let it go, to let it go, that I was right, I was dead on. I confronted this bully, I took him right on. I did the right thing, right? So I'm telling that, I'm going to parties and I make this my go-to party story. I'm elaborating on it, I'm highlighting every detail, every ridiculous piece of it. I'm telling people and I'm keeping them thoroughly entertained the whole way. And on a whim, after I've run out of people to tell this to, I go to a local stand-up venue. Uh, something I'd wanted to do and uh, try out for quite a while, but I just hadn't. And I, I take this story, and I am telling the story of Alan, and it kills. Everybody loves the story of Alan. They like it because it's funny, but they love it because it connects with them. I discover that I'm in a town full of Alans, right? And the people who hate those Alans, right? The Alan that ends up drunk on your lawn after tailgating, right? The Alan who thinks it's a clever prank to dump water uh, from his balcony condo and ends up uh, soaking a man who's just taken on a new job and is taking his mother out to dinner. Uh, all sorts of Alans we got out there in this small college town. Um, and I, I, uh, I, I, I find myself just in love with what I'm doing. I, the victory lap becomes another victory lap. I'm doing stand-up, and now suddenly, the way I think, uh, with all these, this style of thinking where it's just I'm, I'm floating in a sea of distractions or I'm ruminating obsessively, suddenly that's not a handicap. Suddenly it's an asset. That's how you do stand-up. That's how you take things apart. And I'm loving it. I feel, I feel I have connected with the universe at this point. I have done the right thing. I have found a way to manage my skills and bear them. 
uh, to destroy Alan and bring victory to the world, right? Uh, that's how it's going. It gets even better. I meet a woman uh, at a comedy open mic, and we totally hit it off. Uh, but pretty soon, I, uh, I find myself running into uh, a lot of familiar problems. Uh, problems I just experienced before uh, moving into that, uh, that apartment. Uh, problems that led me to end a relationship, a long-term relationship with someone I care deeply about. Uh, problems about not being intensive enough, not giving enough to a relationship, being too much in my head. Things that, that this other person, uh, this woman I'd met at this, this open mic, wasn't even complaining about yet, but I could just feel that that's where things were going. So I abruptly just break it off. And so I find myself, I'm cleaning my apartment on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, I haven't heard from Alan in a long time. It's been many months. But all of a sudden, I hear him yelling up to me, telling me to stop, sounding unusually strident, uh, and maybe a little drunk. And I just stop. I stop doing all the cleaning. I stop doing anything. Because in this moment, I feel completely pathetic. Because I realize I am just like this guy. Uh, just the way he can't get past his aggression. He'd rather act like a bully than talk to a neighbor like an adult. I'd rather avoid a relationship altogether than trying to work through my flaws. We both just fall back on what comes easy to us and think we're going forward. I was Alan. I was fucking Alan. <laughs> it was the most pathetic I'd ever felt. And what, what came to my mind was just to sort of caption this moment, put it together. I, I decided to play the song that I thought was the most pathetic song in the world. A song that, that in its sincerity to me is unremittingly both touching and funny at the same time. And I'm just there listening, and then I start to hear Alan yell at me again. And he's yelling, and I decide I want to reach out to him. We're both the same in this way, but I want to reach out to him on my own terms, in my own way. I'm not going to be aggressive like I'd been doing. I'm not going to go back to the way I was before being passive. I was going to meet him in the middle ground. I was going to be passive aggressive. <laughs> Uh, I, I turn the speaker that is playing uh, next to me and I slam it to the ground and I crank up uh, the volume. And though I'm not proud of it, uh, the second most pleasurable sound I've ever heard in my life is Alan yelling into the gentle voice of Michael Stipe as he calmly sings the lyrics of, uh, of, the, song, of the song that you're just about to hear.
everything is wrong Now it's time to sing along
You've been listening to a Chirp Radio podcast of our live storytelling and music series, The First Time. Our storyteller was Arish Singh, and The First Time 3 performed Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. The First Time 3 is Steve Frisbee, Liam Davis, and Scott Stevenson. To hear more First Time pieces, check out the series website, firsttime.chirpradio.org. And you can find more podcasts produced by the station at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.